Hello, Change Your Tune is about recognisable choral music, and this is pretty recognisable. I'm David Hill, musical director of the Bach Choir, and this time we're uncovering the secrets of one of the world's most famous pieces, the Hallelujah Chorus from Handel's Messiah. What is it about this part of this choral work that has made it so iconic? I don't want to cast any shade on Handel, but I think it's hyperbole. <laughs> That's comedian, football guru and classically trained singer Lloyd Griffith, who'll share his thoughts on Hallelujah both as listener and performer a bit later on. So let's start at the very beginning, or at least the very beginning of this section. Handel's Messiah is an oratorio. That's a big work for orchestra and chorus, and is divided into lots of parts. Some of them are for solo voices, soprano, alto, tenor and bass, and they're referred to as airs. And then there are lots of choral sections with titles like For unto us a child is born, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and this one is Hallelujah. So that's how we get the Hallelujah Chorus. There's not much preamble, just three bars introduction, in this case from our pianist Phil Scriven, and then we're full on forte. You could hear that Handel uses simple, very basic chords. Like all of Messiah, and it is just Messiah by the way, no the, the words come from the King James Bible, in this case, Revelation chapter 6. Then a different melody, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth, is a broader, rather more majestic phrase. Handel uses longer notes and it becomes the main theme, shared amongst the voices with the hallelujah appearing around it. The Hallelujah Chorus is ecstatic and uplifting and sounds like it is the big finish to the whole work, but it isn't. So before we explore this famous piece any further, let's take a step back and have a look at where it comes from. To tell us more about that, we are joined by Bill Canning, who sings first tenor with the Bark Choir. Hello, Bill. Hello, David. So, Bill, give us some context about all of this. This is the second piece by Handel that we've talked about in Change Your Tune. The first was his coronation anthem, Zadok the Priest, which was sung at King Charles' coronation and has been sung at every coronation since George II's. To do a quick Netflix-style recap, George Frederick Handel was a German composer who had lived in England since 1712 and was a royal favorite. He'd established his reputation mainly by composing Italian opera. But people's tastes changed in the 1730s, so he started composing oratorios. The Messiah is his sixth. Handel wrote the whole score, all two and a half hours of it, in 24 days in the summer of 1741, which is incredible. It's in three parts. The first begins with the prophecies about Jesus' birth, which is why Messiah is often performed at Christmas. Part two focuses on the passion of Jesus. That's his crucifixion. And the Hallelujah Chorus is the final section of that part two. Now, people might be familiar with the tradition of the audience standing up during this part. The story goes that King George II was so moved by the music during the London premiere of the work that he stood up. When he did so, everyone else did as well so as not to offend him. It's a nice story, 
but apparently there's no evidence that the king was even at that performance or any others. But let's believe that he might have been. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because there's so many people who do think that he may have been present, actually. But let's also think that audiences moved around the theatres. They would walk out and they would go and relieve themselves and all sorts of things. And who knows that the king may have needed to do that. And so he stood up to go out. Who knows? I don't know. All I know is that I was in a choir that always did this for an encore so we could make sure we got a standing ovation at the end. Ah, interesting. That's a good move. (laughs) Automatic standing ovation. Well, we'll move on. So if he was there, you can see what George II means. It is very uplifting. It is certainly music that moves people, both audiences and performers. Before he became a successful stand-up comedian, actor, presenter and football pundit, Lloyd Griffith trained as a classical singer, and he regularly incorporates his singing into his stage show. I wondered why he thinks that the Hallelujah Chorus has become such an iconic piece. I think, and I don't want to cast any shade on Handel, but I think it's hyperbole. (laughs) I think it's the fact that it just says Hallelujah. It just gets used a lot. As a piece of music, I think it's fine. I just think that hyperbole is basically put it on this pedestal where it's deemed as being one of the greatest pieces of choral music ever, when in fact, you know, try telling that to Thomas Tellis in his 40-part piece, because I think he'd be fuming. And I tell you what, there's nothing worse than when a choir starts the page with great enthusiasm by the last page of just had enough of it. And also, it takes a lot out of you as well as a singer, I think as well. Because it is a popular song, people just think, oh, it's quite easy to sing. It's actually not at all easy to sing. No, it is not. It's not the beginning. It's not the end. It's kind of like two-thirds of the way through where, ultimately, in in a football match, that's when you'd be making substitutes. So, um, (laughs) yeah, it catches you off guard. And, you know, he set the word many times, but a lot of the time is Mm. without an H. But in this one, it's with an H. It's it's, it's there. And you can... Mate, you're not making it easy for us. <laughs> so have you sung any of the arias from the Messiah as a soloist? Yes, I have, yeah. And um, first off, as a counts tenor, so male alto, but who may abide the day of his coming was absolute bread and butter. For anyone who isn't absolutely sure about a counter tenor, this is a man standing mm. on the stage and singing really very high. Very high, yeah. It was really interesting, like, seeing people's reaction. I've always been a biggish lad. You know, it's quite funny when, like, the bass is quite a small, wiry fella and has this, like, unbelievably deep voice. And then I get up quite barrel-chested, looking a little bit rough around the edges, and it's like... And the people are like, what is going on? What is going on? Is he glitching? What's... Is it? Is this... Does he need resetting? Um, but And then once you tell people the story about how men sing that high and actually I did my dissertation at university on the evolution of the counter tenor the last 50 years you know I talked about the Bee Gees and Jimmy Somerville and Justin Timberlake and singing high in your falsetto voice sometimes can be deemed as being effeminate a bit weird it's just what's in zeitgeist at the time so if Justin Timberlake all of a sudden decides he wants to use falsetto then it, you know it's cool I loved it After the For the Lord God Omnipotent Reigneth main theme has been repeated a few times, we come to a point that feels like the ending of a section. And while you might think that the whole chorus is just forte or fortissimo, 
When we start again with a new melody and text, The Kingdom of This World, the music is marked piano. That means soft or quiet. But it doesn't last long. The choir swells into The Kingdom of Our Lord and of His Christ. He shall reign forever and ever, again with the same music heard between the voices. And then, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The phrase is repeated by the sopranos getting higher and higher, with the other voices responding. And just when you think they really can't go up any further, there is a wonderful resolution with all the voices together. Handel's work has been inspiring people for pretty well three centuries, but it wasn't an instant hit. Bill, tell us more. Well, Handel's Messiah was performed for the very first time in April 1741 in Dublin in the Great Music Hall in Fishamble Street. The Dublin audience loved it, but it took quite a long time for it to become especially popular in England. However, in the 19th and 20th centuries, it was performed more and more often with bigger and bigger choirs, It contains some of the most popular and well-known choral pieces ever written. Things like The Trumpet Shall Sound and For Unto Us a Child is Born, with the Hallelujah Chorus probably being the most famous. You'll often hear it in TV shows. It turned up in The X Factor. And in films, you can spot it in Bridget Jones's Diary and Dumb and Dumber. Messiah as a whole has also inspired other composers. In 1789, Mozart himself, a big admirer of Handel, created a new arrangement of it which changed some of the instrumentation. The great composer and producer Quincy Jones, who has worked with artists such as Frank Sinatra and Michael Jackson, wrote Handel's Messiah, A Soulful Celebration, a gospel take on it in 1992. In 2022, you could go to Handel's Messiah, The Live Experience at the Theatre Royal Drury Lane and immerse yourself in an interpretation of the work that used light, visual effects, and dancers, as well as musicians, And the renowned conductor and composer, Marin Alsop, has been part of creating Too Hot to Handle, another gospel reimagining of the work, being performed in London in December 2023. So it seems like the quality of the music is so rich that people want to use it and make it their own. Why does Lloyd Griffith think Messiah continues to be so relevant to present-day artists? When I was working for a TV show called Soccer M a few years back, we'd had Robbie Fowler on, and he was called The Messiah, that was his nickname. And every time we called him the Messiah, they'd then use an extract from some sort of, you know, hallelujah chorus. And I think this is for the good as well, much in the same way that Zadok Priest and the Champions League music. I think people latch on to them yeah. for certain reasons. And so I think it's only ever a good thing for choral music where you can get something into the popular world 
that people go, oh, yeah, what's that from? Like my mum or something. Oh, is that from Messiah? So you incorporate uh, singing into your stage show, of course. Do you include some of this uh, in a way to try and persuade people that singing is a good thing and they should yeah. possibly extending their knowledge of yeah. it and so on? 100%. And also, it's quite unique. I think in comedy, you know, most people have a USP. So with Mickey Flanagan, he's like the... The Cockney geezer, hey Dan, you're right. Then you've got Jack Whitehall, who's the ultimately, you know, the posh lad. Milton Jones is the one liner. For me, I was like, well, there aren't that many people that are trained singers, so I'm going to do that. So I do incorporate it also as well, just because I love doing it. I love singing. Mm. And that's one thing that I'm trying to work on through trying to get TV shows out into the ether is that football and rugby and any sport where you go and you sing really does help you. And all those chants as well are usually hymns. Yeah. You know, when you're insulting yeah. the ref, I mean, who's the in the black? You're going, that's come Ronda. Yeah. <laughs> You've got 4,000 men singing come Ronda there, which is more than you're probably going to get at Westminster Abbey tomorrow morning. So I think it's really beneficial for people to be aware of choral music, especially, and also to be able to sing if, if they can. And whether that is singing along with 10 of your mates at a football match, you know, abuse at your rival Yorkshire team, or whether it is trying to find, you know, an open choir that, will accept people from all ranges and stuff. So I'm very, very active in trying to get people over to the choral side. Comedian Lloyd Griffith, who is currently supporting Jack Whitehall on his tour and whose new show, Lloyd Griffith, Baroque and Roll, is touring nationwide from March to May 2024. And it includes plenty of singing. Now the Hallelujah Chorus is winding up for the big finish. The coda, which is the end piece, is the choral fanfare on King of Kings and ending in Hallelujah. The chords we first heard when the choir enters become the three chords which he repeats and repeats. Then suddenly, the music stops for two whole beats. An inspirational moment of writing. And then, quite slowly, a final resounding hallelujah brings the piece to a huge, rousing and satisfying end. If it wasn't King George that got to his feet, you can see why people might have done. And there's still a whole section to go. That's it for this edition of Change Your Tune from the Bach Choir. To hear more of the stories behind some of the world's most famous choral pieces and the full interviews with some of our stellar guests, search for Change Your Tune wherever you get your podcasts. And if you liked it, please give us a rating and a review. It really does help people find us. And pass on the link to everyone you know. Also, if you've enjoyed getting to know more about the Hallelujah Chorus and Handel's Messiah, I've put together a playlist of some other famous choruses. You can get it by signing up to our newsletter, where we'll also send you all the latest news on this podcast, on upcoming performances, as well as giving you even more insight into everything that happens behind the scenes at the Bach Choir. Search for the Bach Choir online. Plus, I'll put that link in the show notes. Thank you, Bill. And we'd also like to say a big thank you to our guest, Lloyd Griffith. We'll leave you with the final thrilling moments of the Hallelujah Chorus. Until the next time, goodbye. Goodbye.